0: This episode is brought to you by Revolver Studios, Portland's own homegrown recording studio and music production house. Run by musicians, for musicians, revolverstudios.org. This is the Portland Film Podcast, and I'm your host, Molly Silverstein. Today, we have our final screenwriting series recorded at the 2016 Portland Film Festival with part two of the How to Comport Yourself in Hollywood workshop. Panelists include Leslie Dixon and Miguel Tejada Flores. Our panelists share tips about how to navigate those important, high-profile Hollywood meetings. One quick note before we begin. You will notice brief pauses throughout the workshop as the audience asks questions, and also some of the language used during the workshop may not be suitable for young listeners. And now, here's our panel.
1: There's a kind of screenwriter... um, Did anybody see the Lisa Kudrow, the comeback, that show? Well, there's a screenwriter, uh, there's a writer on that that is just your basic cringing hangdog, oh my God, Harry tearing out his hair. People are always asking him to make changes. And his basic attitude seems to be, I'll bend over for anybody. And you don't... The writers that are just totally reactive and just do what they're told and yes sir yes sir yes sir never never last they don't last you have to have a point of view you have to feel like you have something to offer that you're not just doing what you're told Um, they may act like they want to just tell you what to do but in fact what they really want is a collaborator so pushback is okay, but there's a way there's an art to push back you know there's an art to push back where you can actually get an executive creatively excited as opposed to feeling they're being argued with and it's just batting something around an idea around and so okay the executive says something totally stupid okay and you need to divert off of the stupid idea And you go oh god oh god yes and you know what we could do that gives me an idea what you just said gave me an idea and then you do your spin on what his problem was but something that is better right but you make it sound like he sparked that idea in you right they fall for it every time they do it's like so that you don't just go oh god i want to throw up don't do that you know uh you know no visible grimacing no crying um you always act like the person you're meeting with is smart and cool, even when they're not, okay? And you have to be smart and cool and on all the time. On. Yet you... Oh, of course. I mean, someone who wants to make your movie. Um, but what in that case, what I would say is you have to be careful of your script being tied up you know, in the hands of some producer that, that had the money and then doesn't, but still has the rights to your script with options to renew at 10 cents for five years, right? So if you're going to make that kind of a deal, make sure that there's an expiration date on it. Don't give somebody endless options as part of the original deal so that they can tie up your material for years for pe- peanuts. yes i mean they can say no but but you know negotiation is all about asking for what you want and maybe you'll get it maybe you don't um a good agent or manager will not say for sure will not lie and say there's somebody else interested in the material but you can (laughs) i have acted or intimated in many a meeting that somebody else is interested in something whereas in fact it's only the one person Um It varies from project to project. It's usually a year, sometimes 18 months. Um, and there's almost uh, you know, always a uh, renewal extension thing. And that's where you have to be careful. It's okay to have a renewal for a second year if the money is okay but like usually it goes down for you know and i don't know why because your your project is being tied up and kept off the market indefinitely while some you know low life producer tries to scramble together a few hundred thousand dollars to make it so you you don't want them to have endless options and you want to try to make the extension which you probably are not going to get out of having to give them it's pretty standard um You know, worth it to you, so when the check comes you don 't feel so bad
2: so, so now you 're going in to meet on your project, and there 's a whole bunch of different meetings you can go to which your agent set you up for. You can go to meet with suits or you can go to meet with filmmakers. those would be different generic kinds and of the suits, then there are many different subcategories of this life form. You might get lucky and you might have a suit who actually is a hardcore motion picture movie or cinema freak who's seen more movies than you who loves them who can talk cogently and articulately about them and is like your suit from heaven you might get a suit who is the hot shit um marketing lawyer grad from certain colleges who's been brought into up numbers and who thinks your project might fit in you start talking to this person and dropping film references and they're staring at you like you're a bug or a worm and they're pissed off at you because you're mentioning movies and shit and they don't want to talk about that. Oops, you made the wrong conversational gambit because you read the person wrong. And there's a whole minefield of complex suits. The one thing they all have in common, by the way, is you may think they're cool and they hang out and do a bunch of stuff and that the whole point of their life is to just have this really great meeting with you with your agent got, No, the whole point of their life is to have 12 meetings like that a day, to get out of the day without going nuts, and to not waste a whole lot of time with you going through endless gyrations to tell them about this really cool scene at the beginning of the script, whereas they want to focus on something else. So you may have totally misread them. You may be miscommunicating with them. Who are they? What do you know about them? How do you suss them up in the meeting? How can you communicate with them in a way which works given the person? And by the way, then there's the whole other type which at least, this gets back to the idea of doing some homework. If you're meeting with the filmmaker, which I've done on a number of occasions, yeah, then filmmakers. then you can do a whole lot of stuff. You can even look at some of their work that you yeah. seen and come Like, like my typical one, I, I met with some director on a really complicated script of mine and he loved the idea. He's a classic great director who made a bunch of great movies. And I had seen some of them. I made a point of seeing like eight or nine of them before I went in and before we started talking about the script i said hey can i can i just ask you something this one movie of yours in this particular scenes in the third act man i was with it until then and then i think i don't know i lost that and and were you happy with that and then they go whoa, miguel cool that was because man they really know and blah 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 and all of a sudden we have a way to communicate and and he or she knows that i took the trouble to actually think about them and now I can communicate with them on a different level than if I don't have a fucking clue. I have that power by the way I, I can at least educate myself whereas with with the suit man it's like but
1: I've, you know, got, I've yeah. got something to add to that. A good agent or a manager will tell you yeah, about, the ag- yeah. about the suit that you're going to meet with um, okay she's a waspy chick she's about 35 blonde a little snooty a little ice queenie um, but she's been, no, you're a cute guy. She'll probably warm up to you. Uh, da, da, da. But what you want the agent or manager to do, and a good one will, is give you the lay of the land. So you're not just walking into a room with no idea that the executive you're about to meet with is a quadriplegic um, and speaks through a little voice box thing. So you're, there's not shock on your face when you walk in. That's extreme. But I'm just saying they have to tell you the lay of the land. They should be educating you about the marketplace. You should be telling them about scripts you're thinking of writing and they say well no three things like that are in development at three different studios Um, don't do that one do this one there's nothing like it out there right now they know everything and they know everybody that's their job so they should be passing that information on to you and whether it's gossip whether it's the truth you know they send you to a meeting and they go Okay, I don't, this might be a weird meeting because he found out this morning that his wife is leaving him <laughs> for another woman. Okay, so he might be in something of a mood. Uh, you need to hear that stuff, right? So a good agent or manager, and if you feel they are not, you know, tell, you know when they set the meeting, say, lay of the land, tell me about this person. Okay, because that is the best way you're going to get the information. It's not going to be online about suits. Um,
2: yeah, And, and, and then you may, you may have it lucky or you may not. You may, the script, your agent may have done a good enough job. The script may be strong enough. The the suit may be a conscientious enough human being that the meeting will start off right away in a good professional way and you can go into whatever you have prepared yourself psychologically and emotionally and as a human being to communicate. Or it may not happen that way at all. You may go in and the suit may say to you, hey, just a minute, I got to take this call. Then they start taking the fucking call. Then you're waiting and you're waiting, and they're doing X, Y, and Z. You don't want to start listening to them, and they're basically dissing you because they have a whole lot more important things to do in this fucking meeting, which was supposed to be with you, than your script. And so now, first of all, how are you going to prepare yourself when they come off the phone? What are you going to do? One of the classic ones I did, and this can work or it can backfire, I'm sitting there, the suit's going, hey, just a minute, I'm sorry, Miguel, da, da, da. So I'm looking around on his desk. I'm like trying to assess the guy On his desk is this weird little model it's like this toy little house but it's not a toy house it's the Boston Garden the Boston Garden is where the Celtics play so you know and here he is and he's going hmm and he doesn't look I don't know so I go so so he finally gets up he says I'm sorry and I and I go hey can I ask you a question you 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 wouldn't happen to you know do, do you think that you know do you think that they made a good move getting kg over to the Celtics this year and he goes, "Fuck yeah da, 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 da. and then we're talking then we're basketball buddies, and now he will listen to me maybe or maybe he'll go, huh, what are you talking about? that's my kids I don't know what the fuck you're talking about it could like it could yeah. go all over the place yeah.
1: but in general, you are expected to schmooze for a good five to ten minutes before you start um you know after hello, how are you?" they do ask questions about yourself. They're curious, it's part of their job because they're curious what kind of person are you? Do you, are you in a turbulent situation where you might not be able to write everything or are you happy and secure? Uh, So there's a five to 10 minute schmooze um, where they ask you questions. And this is what I call sparkle time, okay? You are now, just imagine yourself as like, you walked into a party And you are determined to be the most charming person there and have everybody love you. It's the same skill set. And there might be more than one person in the room. And this can really throw you. In the beginning of my career sometimes, I'd walk into a room and with an executive, but he'd have two junior executives in there with him. And suddenly there's like three people, okay? And you feel... It's much less comfortable when three people are staring at everything you're saying than just one person. Um, You can tell yourself you're practicing your pitch. So um, you have to be prepared not to be thrown by that. Make eye contact with everybody. And um, when they ask you questions about yourself, you know, try to just be amusing. Try to be fun. Um, It's really important. You know that if if you guys end up working together and spending a lot of time together and having to have business dinners and stuff uh, They want somebody that's fun to talk to they do you know even the straightest of them even the former lawyers uh, Would much rather have that than somebody quiet and shy so if you're quiet and shy it's going to be really really hard for you Um, Or you just need to be practice being more social in these meetings uh So, yeah, sometimes three people, that can really throw you. One time I walked in and said, oh, your meeting's taking place in the conference room. And I went in, and the conference room had people all around this huge table, you know. And I was supposed to pitch something. Go, you know. And, I, you know, I'd been around long enough that I just rolled with it. But be prepared. And your agent sometimes doesn't know and can't warn you that there might be more people in there. Um, And I hate that, too, because then there's more people to react and ask questions and find problems and poke holes in things, right? Um, So let's talk about pitching a little bit, okay? Because your first script may or may not sell, but if somebody has decided to represent you, um, it's a writing sample. And maybe somebody doesn't want to buy your script for various reasons but thinks you're a good writer, which is uh one of the ways that i got my second job uh which turned into the movie outrageous fortune which is they didn't want to buy my first script but they liked my writing and so they gave me a deal to to come and i brainstormed up this movie with the producer head of the company and it got made you know uh but i think it was very much a function of the fact that he and i enjoyed each other's company and made each other laugh you know he wanted to be in business with me he thought i was fun And He was fun, too, and so we had a really good time together. He definitely kept a line of authority between us Um, We weren't like bosom buddies in that way, but it was a really good professional relationship So if you can be quasi friends with your executive that'll really help and um, There's even a slim chance you could end up as real friends Usually that doesn't happen till the project is over, but you might get a call. I miss you buddy you know let's go have dinner don't be afraid to invite that person to your home for dinner right i mean once you've really the people who really play this game and i never did too much of this but you know they just shamelessly invite people over to dinner you know you'd be amazed at who will turn up not that many people in hollywood have dinner parties right they're too busy to cook um they don't you know entertain in their house that much they meet in restaurants cuz the traffic is so bad but if you have a dinner party, it's amazing who will come because it's not that many people do it. And it's, it's fun for people to go to them, right? So it's just a little trick. Um, anyway, let's talk about pitching a little bit. There's less of it going on these days than there used to be because it's just not so easy to get a deal that way. Even if you're really established, um, it's a lot easier to sell something that you've already written than something that you might write. The only way that you're going to be able to pitch is if they've read something of yours that already exists and they like it. That's your street cred. The second cred is that it's been sent to them by a legitimate representative, not like over the transom in some weird way. Except,
2: sorry, I have to disagree with that, and I sort of found out differently when I was doing all these... Um, seminars and stuff for the big Latino filmmakers organization and I was on a huge pitching panel and I talked to my friend who runs thing I go are you kidding why are we fucking wasting our time doing pitching because there's just not that many deals being made off pitches and what I discovered at least in the world of independent Latino filmmakers and I am assume it's the world of la- independent filmmakers in a lot of places is the weird thing is when you go into pitch you're not pitching this, is, this sounds really weird. You're not pitching to get them to make you a deal. You're pitching to make them, and of course they're not going to, but this is supposedly the point, you're pitching to make them want to read your script. I swear to God. And that's like a changing aspect of the marketplace. I mean, you know, hey, they're just going to have it, their secretary, their reader, read it anyway, right? Apparently not. Apparently a lot of pitch meetings in the indie world are to get people to want to read your script more, to think it's a cool script. I swear to God.
1: It's true, but I, I believe him because I don't know anything about the indie world, really. And that's one of the reasons it's good he's here. Uh, in Hollywood, it's it's rare. I know a writer who's been pretty successful who has pitched scripts he's already written. Right? It's And it, what's clever about that is that... Uh, you know, it's just clever. Plus, you know it really well, right? You're not going to get lost in the middle of the pitch because you know your story extremely well. Um That's, you know, that's a pretty high wire act, though, because, you know, obviously you've wasted a lot of time if nobody likes the idea. Um And then you wait, you know, the 12 weeks and turn it in. Right on time. Uh, <laughs> but it's... um I, I've never done that. I mean, that's really a high wire act, in my opinion. Um, I'm just too worried about spending months of my life on something that might be for nothing.
2: And, and so then, you know, on the other side of the, on the other side of the table, here I am. I'm a suit. I got to meet like every day with like I have to take at least eight meetings, and their writers coming in to pitch shit to me, and they're all over the map with their different pitches. And some of them, man, I'm just dying in the pitch because they're like they're giving me the opening scene in such excruciating detail because they love each moment. I'm going, oh man we're never going to get through this and I'm just, dumb. but that's me. And then there are other ones and they come in and it's a writing team and they have this whole song and dance act worked out. And he did this and he did this and they're they're kind of cool and they're kind of fun or they're kind of a little bit uh, I don't know what they are. Yeah, they're theatrical and then there's every variation and, and part of what she was saying is true that if I'm considering working with you i want not just to have you be fun or upbeat or communicative or able to articulate i want to know if you can work with me i want to know if you are totally wedded to every moment in your script or if you're actually willing especially if you're a new writer because a lot of new writers you know you can't touch a thing or or if you're actually thoughtful and creative and i may in the middle of your script i may interrupt you i may say hey wait a minute, stop. What if this, or why are they doing this, or what? And I'm asking you because I'm genuinely interested. And then there's all kinds of, because that's, I want to know this if I'm interested. So some writers, the ones who I want to work with, they will stop their prepared picture, wherever it is. They will think about it for a moment or two or whatever. They will answer me and their answer will be a thoughtful, interesting one which makes me say, oh, this person not only knows, wrote a script I liked, they can actually think on their feet, and they can solve a problem in an unscripted way. Or, you know, you, then you got the other ones, and man, you ask them the question, it totally short circuits their pitch, and they go, and and you can just see, man, they fell apart because I interrupted their pitch. And and it's all of there's all kinds. Me, I want the people because, in especially when I'm working for a more indie company, I may not be the scripts I'm buying may need more work. I want to know not only if you're able to work with me in a creative way, but if you're able to think creatively and and show me things in the creative momentary process, which, hey, some people may write a great script, but it took them 12 years to write each, you know, page. I don't have 12 years for the rewrite, and I'm judging you, and I'm also testing you to see what you can or can't do, and that's really important to me.
1: That's why I had him here, so that you know what what eyes they're looking at you through. Um, this is all very true. So if you are going to pitch, I don't want to spend an elaborate amount of time about this, but definitely, you know, have your story worked out. Five to ten minutes, tops, okay? Five to ten minutes, you have to break it down like that. A forty minute pitch is terrible, okay? You just want the bare bones of your story and your characters and be really fun, like you're telling a story to people and trying to hold their attention and not have them wander off. Um, But I'm not going to go into too much of that. I mean, if they like it, they'll make a deal with you uh, to write it, and it'll just be a standard screenwriting deal of some sort, and it'll be the best deal that your agent and lawyer can get. Um, There's no particular protection for the content of what you say in a room, um, I have never been ripped off, had my, my ideas ripped off yet. But, you know, there's nothing you can sign. There's nothing they sign. Whatever you're pitching in a room is just out there in the ether, you know. So if you really think it's the most brilliant and original idea ever, you might want to just write it, you know. So, um, okay, there's any questions about this pitching stuff? Yes. Um, Only the one who cheated my friend Lori out of um, money, but uh, she's kind of like retiring now, so I don't think you're going to come across her. Um, no, I don't really know, like, agents and managers that are just totally bad. You'll get a sense if you're dealing with a fly-by-night person. Um, if it's a shoddy-looking place, uh, if the phone rings a lot before someone answers... <laughs> And if they absolutely flat out insist that you the money go through their office and they deduct the ten percent, I might be a little nervous. And
2: and the other answer to that question is: so you're in a more general sense, you're saying, are there certain people I should beware of being in business or in this relationship with? Okay. Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a boyfriend? Are you in a relationship? When you get together with that person, what are your instincts? How do you, what do you see out of them? What do you want? How do you communicate? Do you communicate well? Guess what? It's a relationship with this person. And the ways in which you communicate verbally and non-verbally, whether you can communicate. She was saying, if your agent doesn't call you back in three days, that's a bad sign. Yep, but you don't know this initially, so you're going on a bunch of stuff and how they communicate and how you communicate. And it's a relationship, and you're going into a relationship with your new girlfriend or your new boyfriend or with your new agent, and you don't know. And welcome to the world and good luck. You know, who can say? But what they should be doing is returning your calls,
1: calling you to tell you what they're doing for you. I submitted the script to this person, that person, this person, this person passed, here's why. And really crucially, educating you about the town that you have arrived in who the power players are, who the studios are that are desperate for movies because they had two films fall out and they're scrounging for material, scrambling they don't have a June release. You know, the movies, the, the studios and even smaller smaller studios and production companies generally have targets of release dates for fall, summer, whatever, whatever, and they have this big board in their marketing office with, you know, stickers on it of, okay, here's our big summer release. In the beginning of the summer, here's our big release. At the end of the summer, um, when I was working on Freaky Friday, I couldn't understand why they only had like six weeks of prep and had to slam this thing into production. I had to do this rewrite really fast. It was because they had this thing scheduled for a June release, and it was... You know, October, and the thing hadn't, didn't have a good script and had, and lost its leading lady. Ah! But those kind of situations are great for you because the studio needs the movie. In that case, they need the movie more than you need it in a weird way, right? Because they, they, they have stockholders and they've got to release these movies at these times. And for reasons of temperament and budget and all sorts of things, movies fall apart. So your agent should be educating you about the landscape of each place that you're going to meet, who the power person is, what their taste is, uh, all that kind of stuff. And so if your agent isn't communicative about the town, the people, uh, the gossip, um, you know, then that's not the right agent for you. Or they're not plugged in enough to know that stuff, and that's bad, too.
2: And, and just as a minor ad, adjunct to that, or additive, or whatever, so you expect your agent, and you want your agent to be responsive and communicative and articulate in certain ways, guess what the agent does, too? And on the other side of the coin, so your agent may call you and say, okay, we're, what we're doing is we're going out with a script of this person, this person, this person, this person, and we'll see what happens. Maybe it's a hot shit script, and you can get interest in a bidding war or maybe it's one of these deals where we're going out to these people but it's actually going to take them a few days or a week or two for them to read it may be that and here you are and you're going oh well have we heard back from how we heard back from them? and you may be one of these clients who then is calling your agent three or four times and they say hey did you hear back from them? i want to know that and guess what agents a lot of agents legitimate ones, give happens. i know and then and here's the client and man you're a client from hell and there are a bunch of good reasons. Even if they liked you and liked your work, once, once they get a couple of hours or days or weeks of that, Pasadena, bye-bye. And you can be a terrible client just as an agent can be a terrible agent. So somewhere in that balance between the two of you, there has to be good communication. And you have to let them do their job.
1: My first agent, um was very helpful in keeping me from being that person which is after she said i can sell this and we agreed to let her market the script she turned to us and said now listen i'm not the most connected agent in town but i'm getting there as fast as i can i do have relationships but they won't put this at the top of the pile expect nothing for a month you know expect nothing um, that is realistically the amount of time with my haranguing and harassing that I'm going to get probably mid-level development people to pick it up and read it and then possibly pass it on to their bosses who have a big pile too. And uh she was right. Some responses did begin to trickle in between the month and six week part and then it turned out a couple of those responses were seriously interested and we got two offers. Okay, my first script and it was, so then I get the call from her. Are you sitting down? Okay, that's the call. That's the call you want. But they're not going to tell you to sit down. You have an offer because you called. Believe me, they will call you the second they know. They will. They will call in the middle of a meeting with some other poor person that was there to make friends. Excuse me, I got to make this call because now they're calling you to tell you there's an offer on your first script. So he's absolutely right. Don't call and call and call. Um, but luckily, you know. But sometimes, realistically, most people's first script ends up as a calling card, not as a purchase, not as a finished film. People always naively ask me when I said I've, I sold my first script, what, which movie was it? It never got made. You know, there's lots of reasons for that. Uh, but what it did serve as was I was paid for it, and it was a calling card for people to read who then later hired me. So if your script becomes a calling card, there's worse fates in this world. Um, but don't expect... I've got a question back there no sorry oh it was just a reflection of the mirror it looked like a hand was up okay so um, is there any other questions about agents or manage- or yes I see them scrambling harder because in order to make the same amount of money they used to they have to work harder Um, what you don't think there's yeah Um, it's unbelievable CAA my agency used to be the most arrogant place in the whole world like you'd be making a movie and an agent would not return your call about their clients availability you you had a go picture you had a job for someone they were so arrogant, like, what? Who does that? They were horrible. And I didn't want to go there, but my agent went there and I went with them. Well, the whole, the whole business started to change during the period that I was there. And all of a sudden, all these agents at CAA, there were just less movies being made and less jobs. There was tons of stuff going on in TV, but during that confusing period where television was still considered slightly déclasse, and they were trying to get their, their clients feature gigs, I suddenly. Would you like to meet with Reese Witherspoon? Would you like to meet with like Ryan Reynolds? Would you like to meet with all of these like movie stars because they didn't have their next script? Um, there weren't there weren't that many movies being bought or made, and the the pool just started to shrink in features. Now that it's expanded in cable and it's not so déclassé. Uh, movie stars are doing limited cable series um, and enjoying it because they might be able to do higher quality but because the money isn't as big as it was agents have to work twice as hard and that's kind of good for you that's because there is a voracious demand for material for television. These markets are expanding whereas the feature film is contracting. Um, Good question. Is it worth it to still write features? Certainly. Um, Because, you know, also Netflix and Amazon are looking for original content feature films. I mean, Behind the Candelabra was made for HBO. Believe it or not, even with Steven Soderbergh and Michael Douglas and Matt Damon, nobody wanted to make that as a movie. Can you imagine? Um, So that's the world we're living in. Uh, but you can sell a feature film script and get it made if it's a clever horror movie, because those always open big on a Friday night. If it's a well-thought-out science fiction piece, they're dying for those. So really, it's it, yes, it's worth writing features, but you, you want to know what the marketplace is and have your script slot into something that they might actually make.
2: So coming back to the comportment of how you behave in a meeting and let's go back to the general classifications. You got an agent, your agent set you up with a meeting. Unfortunately, it took a month to get the meeting because they're dealing with a lower middle level executive and they don't have as much traction. It took a while to get it. But finally, there's a meeting and it's not one of the meetings which we talked about before which are the meetings they wanna buy your script or they're interested in your script but they wanna see if you can make some changes. It's actually a different kind of a meeting. This kind of a meeting which is very generic is they like your script, know they're not interested but they wanna meet you because they want to see what else you have in the cookie hopper, in the oven brewing. They want to talk to you. They want to get a feeling of you. So you go in for the meeting. You're all hyped up. and You're going to maybe pitch them. You're going to tell them you're going to sell yourself. One of the things before Leslie jumps in, just to tell you about this meeting, is you go and you go, cool, they like my script. This is so cool. And so they're ready to listen to me. And you assume, going in, that this lower and mid-level suit really likes your script. Guess what? it's quite likely they never read your fucking script. It's quite likely they're overworked, they have too much shit to read anyway, but one of the readers who works for the story department, which never services their stuff first because there's so damn many executives and they're struggling, one of the readers said it was good, and they read the reader's report and skimmed maybe a page or two and go, oh, okay, this is cool, this person might be a prospect, so I'm gonna look at it, and I'll tell them I want to meet with them because I like them. Did they read your script? No. So you're making a big mistake if you go into the meeting and you're putting, maybe they did read your script, and then maybe they'll tell you, and they'll tell you in a cool, enthusiastic, articulate way. But if you decide to spend a bunch of your time in the first meeting with them talking about how great your script is before you go into the one they don't want to buy, you may be talking to someone who actually never read your script. Welcome to the world.
1: And here's a good news, bad news scenario. What if they pitch something to you? Sometimes people within studios come up with ideas for movies. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. So now you're sitting there, and your job is to keep a straight face as the studio executive says, you know what we're really keen to do here? We own the rights in our library, and we'd like to remake it, Showgirls. They just didn't get it right the first time. Right? Some horrible movie that they think should be remade. And you have to keep a straight face. You might even have to spitball about how to remake Showgirls with this with this executive. You might even be running low on money and need to take that job, OK? I, I mean, these are things that will come to you. There will be times where you whore out. There just will. If you don't, you probably won't work enough. I used to whore out maybe every four scripts. Um, now it's almost never. I, you know, life is too short for me. But, um, yeah, you're going to find yourself really enjoying the money you get writing something that you would never buy a ticket to see. Um, these are great problems to have. But, um, you know, the, the guy may pitch you something kind of cool. But it also might be some movie that you have privately derided with your friends in college and laughed and screened it for the purpose of laughing at it. And now here's this guy with a straight face. Okay, well, we've covered all the major things. The most important thing is to sparkle. You know, just be your best self, your most fun self. Your, and make sure you project basic sanity underneath all that sparkle. Don't act like you're Jerry Lewis. Uh, but just, you know, try to have a good time. Psych yourself up. This is going to be fun. Tell yourself that when you walk into every meeting, and you will stand out from the pack.
2: She's right. Everything she said, do it, and Yeah
0: thanks for listening to the portland film podcast this is the final episode of season one we'll be back in the new year with more from the portland film community if you enjoyed this week's episode you can subscribe on itunes like us on facebook follow us on twitter or visit us at theportlandfilmpodcast.com the Portland Film Podcast is a Portland Film Festival production. Produced and edited by Misty Eddy. Our associate producer is Sean Conley. Sound engineer Paul Dillon. And I'm Molly Silverstein. See you next time.